Hi, this is Chris Stewart from Oasis Church in Athens, Ohio. Normally, this podcast is where we would post the teaching from the previous Sunday's message in our worship service that meets in the Athens Middle School. However, during this particular time in our nation's history, when everyone is doing their part to lessen the threat of the COVID-19 coronavirus, our church is also making sure that every member is physically distancing themselves from one another. And in order to do that, we're setting up Facebook Live church services from my living room, in fact. And what we're doing with this podcast during this time is pulling the audio from the sermons on those Facebook Live messages so that you can still have your weekly podcast feed if you like to listen to those separately. We don't know how long this will last, but as long as it does, we'll keep posting these And we hope that you enjoy them. We hope that you're fed and well-nourished while you're at home. And by all means, please reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email at oasisathens at gmail.com. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, we want to continue to serve and minister to the needs of our community, even during a time where it makes it difficult to do that in person. May God bless you today, and we hope you enjoy this message from Oasis Church in Athens, Ohio. As we enter the eighth week of social distancing and online church services, I want to confess something to you, if I might. I consider myself to be typically a positive, optimistic, energetic, glasses half full type of person. And when circumstances are bleak and uh, you know, adversity hits, I tend to be the person who believes, hey, we'll be all right. And I'm, I'm that person that keeps a, a positive, optimistic attitude and tries to stay away from negativity as much as possible. This week, <laughs> I failed at that. As much as I tried to prevent it, uh, negativity found its way into my mind. And I experienced feelings of frustration, anger, dread, hopelessness, um, anxiety, and fear. And it's probably no coincidence that on my cell phone, the little screen time update that it gives you told me this morning that I was up 20% from normal. And I knew that I had spent more time this week watching press conferences, reading opinion articles, reading the divisive comments underneath social media posts about the virus and the governor's press conferences, and all the polarizing opinions and all the different ways, vast number of ways, that we are responding to this. And I found myself becoming irritated even. You know, irritated at words like stay home, stay safe, (laughs) things that are supposed to be positive and encouraging. I even told a friend that I vowed that I would never say those words to another person again. It's silly, I know, I know. But this is honestly where my heart and my mind has been this week. 
And I know that pastors aren't supposed to stand before their people and say that kind of thing. They're supposed to be this pillar of strength, and that's not always what I am. It would be dishonest of me to stand in front of, of this camera today and put on a televangelist-type show and pretend that I was not feeling like many of you have been feeling. I don't want to stay home anymore. I want to go places. I want to see the faces of people in my church family. I want to interact with my coworkers at Ohio University on the campus and see the students that I have the privilege of working with on a daily basis. I want to go see a baseball game. I want to coach a baseball game. I want to be a, around people. And this week I found myself thinking about the past, wishing that we could go back and do things the way that we did just eight weeks ago. And I've also, on the other hand, found myself distressing about the future. You know, seeing reports every day of institutions similar to the one that I work for, discussing layoffs and furloughs, knowing the inevitability of similar actions being taken right here, how it's going to affect my home. And on Wednesday afternoon, I sat down with the Bible, and I was comforted, tremendously comforted, by these timeless, gentle reminders a reminder in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17 that says, don't presume that you know what you'll be able to do tomorrow. James ends up calling that boasting. And another reminder in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 9 through 14 that says, don't get nostalgic about yesterday. Solomon calls that foolish. So I guess since the mindset of, hey, yesterday had that, and the mindset of tomorrow promises this, are both unwise ways of thinking. And what am I praying that I'll be able to do today in every moment? Trust Christ right now. Trust Christ today. That's my prayer for you my prayer for myself. And when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to pray that you would trust Christ in this moment today. And I'm going to pray that same thing for myself. And I would ask you to pray that for me. And I would ask you to pray it for each other. And I would ask you to pray it for every single person that lives in the same city, in the same neighborhood, in the same county that you live in, in the same state that you live in. We are all experiencing this same thing. And most likely, some of the things that I just described are, are things that you yourself have experienced. And I just ask you to join with me in not having a mindset of, I wish we could go back to yesterday, or a mindset that thinks about the, the future, because that could be just as devastating. But a mindset that says, right now, I'm going to enjoy Christ. I'm going to trust Him, and I'm going to enjoy Him in this moment. In the Old Testament, I found myself just looking through the Old Testament, and I was reminded of the story when I was flipping through some of the old stories of the Old Testament. There's this incredible story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 about 
King Jehoshaphat when he was king of Judah. And he's famous for saying these words at the end of his prayer. He's famous in Christian circles, I guess. And he, he concludes this prayer that we're going to read here in just a minute by saying these words. Maybe you've heard them before. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's what he says to God. And you know, as I, as I sit in my house a lot these days, and you are the same, during this coronavirus-laden time, I'm actually really hard-pressed to think of a better prayer than that one right there. The one that was uttered thousands of years ago by this Judean king named Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. I mean, the eyes of every person around this globe are, are observing and experiencing this health crisis. It is a global thing. Companies and schools are, have delayed operations. Borders have closed. All kinds of things have just stopped that we're so used to, and it feels so surreal. What do we pray? We don't know what to do. We pray we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you today, in this moment. So I want to read this story with you today and just make a handful of points about it. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, together with some of the Munites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast number from beyond the Dead Sea, from Edom, has come to fight against you. They're already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid when they told him this. And he resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah, who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard, and he said, and this was his prayer, Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name and have said, if disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you. For your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress and you will hear and deliver. Now here are the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. You did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt, but Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Look how they repay us by coming now to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do but we look to you. Our eyes are on you. Well, so shortly after this prayer, Scripture tells us that all of, Judea, all of Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives, their children. In the middle of the congregation, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon uh, a, a young priest named Jehaziel, and he said this, 
Listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. So in the Old Testament, there are often moments when God would, would speak through someone, and that's called prophecy, and he would choose someone to speak his word directly, and that was a prophet. In this, this case, what we have here is a, a word of prophecy being given in the, in the assembly of people. And this is what he says. This is what he says the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. You'll see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeruel. You, you do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Well, then Jehoshaphat knelt low with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. Then the Levites from the sons of the Kohites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting loudly. And in the morning, they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were, as they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept on singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his faithful love endures forever. So Jehoshaphat's idea about how to fight this battle was to not call in the special forces and put them on the front line and hope for the best. His idea was to call all the worship leaders Hey, let's call all the worship leaders, and we're going to put them in the front lines, and that's how we're going to fight this thing. I got to tell you, I love worship leaders, and I've even sort of become one, I guess. I don't call myself a worship leader, a, a musician for any matter. I've met a lot of musicians, and they're wonderful people, but they're not the people I'd want on the front lines of battle in a war against vast armies coming against my country. God fights in different ways. So this is what happened in this really strange battle. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites and Moabites and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. When they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy each other. When Judah came to, take, came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked for the large army, but there were only corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Absolutely incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible the way God works. But I want to go back to that prayer. And I want to go back to Jehoshaphat and his mindset. You know, in his context, this 
dangerous delegation of armies from Edom. They were closing in on Judah. But Jehoshaphat had a faith that was all-encompassing. What I mean by that is he had a faith that caused other people around him, maybe even people who didn't believe at all themselves, to come and to pray with him. And they stood together in the assembly, the congregation, the scriptures calls it, and he trusts God through this prayer. And listen, he wasn't just trusting God in the face of potential military defeat. It was more than that, wasn't it? It was a lot more than that. In fact, in fact, he was trusting God in the face of what he calls anything that comes upon us. The sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, plague, perhaps. What if disaster comes upon us? What if we face disaster? A, a coronavirus plague, perhaps. Loss of jobs. Loss of life. Of loved ones and family members. Will we stand before the Lord and others... and cry out in the same way Jehoshaphat did and trust him, trust him to move. Jehoshaphat, regardless of his fear, he was afraid. He had a disposition of trust in the face of that danger. And even in the face of this great plague, he cried out to God. I think we can learn a few things. The first and most obvious thing is this, trust God with your fears. In verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 20, it says that Jehoshaphat was afraid. But then it said immediately, it said he was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord. Listen, this guy wasn't superhuman. It's one of the reasons why I began today in the way that I began, showing some vulnerability, because sometimes I think people think that, that there are people in this world who are superhuman, <laughs> you know, like, like sometimes I think that's the, the, the notion that people have toward preachers or pastors, you know, that, that they, they, they present the gospel, they know the scriptures to some extent, and so therefore they never feel the things that normal people feel, and that's just not the case. Jehoshaphat was not superhuman. He was normal. And, you know, the initial step of anyone trusting God's help in Jehoshaphat's day or in our day, I think, is being able to admit weakness. And it might be good for us right now to stand before the Lord and just to honestly say, this is how I'm doing, God. I'm scared. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm lonely, I'm hurt, I'm exhausted from this. And the point of airing out all of this pain isn't to shake a finger at God and, 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 and to put yourself in a position of dressing down God. It's just simply to be honest as we trust Him with our deepest concerns. That's what He wants from us. He welcomes that. 
You see, Jehoshaphat chooses in this moment to trust in the Lord, which is what you and I are called to do as well. Trust is always a choice. And it's a choice that you've got to make over and over again. You might be trusting him right now, today, in this moment. Why? Because you're being encouraged by this worship service and by, by this message, perhaps, and by the scriptures, and you're being encouraged. And maybe today it's going to be easy to trust, but you're, then you're going to wake up tomorrow, and it's going to be a little harder. And then all of a sudden, Wednesday is going to come, and you're, you will have watched social media. You will have watched news press conferences. You will have read things that are discouraging. You will have talked to friends who have discouraged you. Then you will see some other things that are encouraging, and then somebody will poo-poo that, and you'll start to go, well, I don't understand what's right, what's wrong. I don't know what to believe. And then you'll look at the people in the political arena, and they'll start telling you what you should be believing and what you shouldn't be believing, and it becomes really frustrating, and it's going to become what? Hard to trust in those days, in those moments. Pause and let God know. This is where I'm at. We got to do it over and over again. The Apostle Paul says at one point that he uses this metaphor I die daily. I have to die daily to myself, to all the things that want to crowd into my mind and push out the good things that God has given, the mind of Christ the ways that God wants me to believe in Him every moment of every day. I have to do it every single day. Trust Him. Give Him your fears. And you know what else we need to do? This is something else that we see Jehoshaphat doing. Encourage others to trust God. I mean, when Jehoshaphat seeks God, he invites everyone. What's he do? In verse 4, it says he has a national fast. He assembled all the people together in Judah, and they had a fast together. And when he decided to begin praying, he invited all the people there with him to pray together. This king knows where his true help is coming from as he leads others, and that is together. There is hope when we're together. Everyone around us right now might be freaking out. Maybe you've got people in your life who are just scared to death that the sky is falling. That, oh my goodness, we need to be afraid all the time. No, we need to remind each other that we serve a loving and merciful and sovereign God who is, who is himself untouched by a virus. And as we take our anxieties to God in prayer and we experience that peace that surpasses all understanding, and as we internalize that ourselves, it gives us hope and it gives us the power to share that with someone else, to put it on display. Our faith, after all, is even though it's personal, it's not a private faith. If you ever thought that, I don't, if, it, I, I don't know where you got it. It's not a biblical concept. 1 Peter 3.15 says, hey, it, this is on display. It's a public faith. So trust God. You trust Him. Encourage others to trust Him. And you know what else? Just call out to Him. 
Jehoshaphat gives us a model for prayer in verses 5 through 12 that's just absolutely incredible. Take a look at that again. Read it. Use it as a model for your own prayer. He appeals to God of all, from all of his promises and the ways that God had moved in his life and their lives in the past, and then he just continues to, to express to God their, 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 their vulnerability and, and not really being able to do anything about this. But you know what? Hey, our eyes are on you. Maybe that's exactly the way you feel right now in light of COVID-19. Perhaps you feel completely powerless against this virus, and we should. I mean, in many ways, we are powerless against it, and whether or not you can be exposed to it, and whether or not you'll have symptoms, or whether or not you'll know it when you've got it. Who knows? I mean, maybe you've experienced levels of anxiety that have just gone through the roof like you've never felt before because of, of all the uncertainty and the way some specialists are saying, hey, we don't, we just don't know all the ways this virus can be transmitted, and and I still I got to go to the store, but I don't know what I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? What should I do? Should I wear gloves or not wear gloves? Should I should I wipe things down all the time? Should, what do I should I even not go to the store? Should I have somebody? How old am I? Am I in the age that's 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 going to be really affected if I get it, or am I okay? Or you see how quickly it can cause us to go. <sighs> When that happens, and it's going to happen again this week, it's going to happen to me, it's going to happen to you. When that happens, join with Jehoshaphat and just declare it. I'm helpless. God, I'm helpless. But my hope is fixed on you. You are sovereign. How many, I mean, shouldn't all of our prayers just end like that? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Just end every single prayer. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Amen. I mean, this is the posture of a Christian every single day of our lives. And if you always know what to do all the time, you're a liar. <laughs> just appeal to God all the time. His character. Confess your inability all the time. Put your eyes on him all the time. And you know what? You'll be surprised at how often you actually know what to do. Well, I want to conclude this message today, but I want to share something with you that I wrote down in my journal earlier this week. You know, when you consider the story of Jehoshaphat, there are parts of that story, and it's actually, to be honest, the majority of the story, it's completely out of Jehoshaphat's control. I mean, the beginning of the story, when, when he learns that there are armies coming at Judah, and these armies are larger than Judah, and they're working together to destroy Judah, that's a feeling of helplessness, certainly. And there's nothing he can do about that. He has no control over that whatsoever. The inevitability of their destruction and their demise is happening, and he has no control over it. And you know what else he doesn't have any control over? The end of the story. How it's going to, how it's going, the outcome, how it's going to, to, conclu to conclude. But he has complete control over the middle, the way they're going to respond. 
the way he chooses to respond. And we find that in the prayer and the fact that they worship together. They choose worship. And that's how they respond to this, this inevitability. You know, there are three ways that God protects his people from danger. One of the ways is that he just prevents danger from entering into your life and just protects you from danger in that way. It doesn't come. But a, a second way, perhaps, is that sometimes he allows the danger to come into your life, but he gives you the power and the strength to overcome it, to face it, so that on the other side of that danger, you then serve him with joy and gladness and even more fervor. But there's a third way. And in the end, there is one enemy of, I guess you could call it danger, ultimate danger, that will never be driven off from any one of us. And that's the enemy of death. We all will die. No matter how much we try to put it off, it's going to happen. But even in death, God protects well, you might wonder, how does he do that? How does he protect us if we die? Here's what he does. He protects us from unbelief. If you today believe in Jesus, in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is protecting you even in death, and he's preserving you for his heavenly kingdom forever. And when you know that, it makes today a little easier. And when you know that, it means that in, in the face of tragedy and in the face of, of plague, you can stand and you can pray and you can say a whole bunch of stuff to God about the ways he's been faithful to you. But right now in this moment, I'm wondering if you're going to be faithful and I'm scared and I'm fearful and I don't know what the future is going to bring and I just don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you and therefore I'm going to worship and I'm going to experience worship with the people around me that also love you. And I'm going to invite others to worship together with me. You see, that's the, the final scene of this story of Jehoshaphat and the, and the people of Judah because God is good and we know that God can be trusted. We can worship him even in the midst of suffering. We can praise him even in the threat of great danger. We can glorify him even as this virus continues to spread this week. Listen, God didn't tell Jehoshaphat to do this. He wasn't, he wasn't instructed by God to call together a worship service, was he? Remember the story? When we read it, what did he say? He said, go out there and just stand still. You won't have to do anything. God would fight it for him. But Jehoshaphat's response anyway was, we'll go out and stand but while we're there, we're going, to proclaim, we're going to proclaim how awesome our God is. 
that is what it looks like to lead. So in the face of this continuing circumstance that we don't know how long is going to last, we choose confidence in our Lord. Even if we don't know what comes next, we choose to put our eyes on Him. God, that's our prayer today. And I'm just going to keep it at that. Very simply, when I wake up tomorrow and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to feel, I'm going to say, my eyes are on you. And maybe the choice I need to make instead of watching a press conference is to pop in a worship song and sing, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. How much more strengthening and comforting that would be than reading comments under a tweet. God, I'm feeling that right now because I need that. I confess to you. I spent more time this week reading comments under a tweet than proclaiming your praise. And I'm not going to have another week like that. God, you are good all the time. And we tell you that right now in Jesus' name. Amen.